Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 1, 18 through 2.10, called Getting Acquainted with Grace. Father, thank you for each precious person that's here this morning as we study your word and we get ready this morning to uh, end our service in taking the Lord's Supper. We are grateful for uh, reminders. We're grateful for your living word and we're grateful for a chance to come to your table this morning and to celebrate all that you've done for us to secure our salvation, to pour out your grace in our lives. Your grace is indeed amazing. And Lord, We've all carried all kinds of stuff in here this morning, but what we do know, one thing we do know is that you are faithful to pour your grace upon your people and that you will never leave nor will you forsake us. And so we pray that the way you want this to go this morning and how we would respond would bring you glory, would be led by your spirit. So we lay this time at your feet and we pray that in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Grace is a beautiful word. It's a word in Greek called charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, pronounced charis. And the word for grace it speaks of the benevolence of God, the goodness of God. You could say grace is one of the primary expressions of God's loving kindness. And in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for grace is ken. Everybody say Ken. You got to spit a little bit. Try not to spit on your neighbor. Ken. <laughs> it's C-H-E-N. And Dr. Seekins, he uh, gives us some Hebrew word pictures and he talks about grace here and he says, uh, he says, grace essentially means to find favor. It means to camp, set up camp with someone. It's relational. Essentially, the word to find favor or grace in the eyes of someone here in the eyes of God. Grace means simply put to find acceptance. Grace means to find acceptance. Now if you were to step back for a moment and think about how many people in our world are doing some really silly, goofy, crazy things to find acceptance, I think you'd be amazed, right? Just in our own hearts, we realize the power of peer pressure. We realize the power of just wanting to be accepted in a community or in some peer relationships or a group of friends or to be considered, you know, in the in-group or cool or liked on social media or whatever it is. And the incredible truth about the grace of God is that you are accepted in the Beloved. If you are in Christ this morning, God accepts you just as you are because you have the righteousness of Christ credited to your account. Now, even though God accepts you just as you are, he doesn't want to leave you that way, amen? (laughs) So he's got a work to do in your life. And the same grace that saved you is also the grace that conforms and strengthens you. So grace is obviously applied directly to our salvation. We're saved by God's goodness, Jesus plus nothing. But then God pours his grace or strength into our life to conform us more into what we are and to what he knows we will be. And sometimes we have a tough time accepting ourselves. Sometimes we have a tough time accepting forgiveness. 
Sometimes we have a tough time getting acquainted with what, with what grace actually means. I'll tell you this, uh, from my own background, coming from a, a system that you know, was a little cloudy on what grace was, and that would be Roman Catholicism, um, I didn't really understand what grace was. I didn't understand how deep grace was, how wide it was. Uh, I often felt like I had to perform for God to be accepted. And day to day, week to week, Sunday to Sunday, I kind of felt like I never quite knew where I was with God. And that's not just true in Roman Catholicism. That's also true in the evangelical church because there's many people who are confused about grace in the evangelical church. Uh, they walk in Sunday after Sunday, and frankly, there are some, some denominations in, in, in evangelicalism that are very confused about grace, and they scream and yell at people and make Christians wonder about their standing before God constantly. And one thing that I've been trying to share with you that is so powerful, if you can get your arms around this, is that you are loved and accepted right now. God loved you when you were in rebellion. He demonstrated his love for you while you were yet a sinner. Now, we all fall short, right? We all fall short oftentimes of our own expectations or the expectations of others. But this is where grace is such a beautiful reality. It's such a beautiful uh, position to enjoy, to be accepted by God. We like to say that Jesus is the face of grace but I'll tell you, if you were to look around this room just for a moment, you're going to see faces of grace all over the room. Because each one of us are faces of grace or trophies of grace. If you're in Christ this morning, you have been transformed by grace. Moved from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. You've passed from death to life. Because of the work of Jesus Christ. That is an amazing grace. That's why Newton, you know, when he wrote the song, he was overwhelmed by God's goodness to him, knowing what he had been. And even after becoming a Christian, often what we fail to be. Now, the Apostle Paul has been introducing us to this idea of grace, and we're in verse 18 of our text in Galatians 1. And he starts with the word, Galatians 1.18, he says, Then... This is a chronological reference, signifies chronology. Then three, three years later, and just to give you some setting if you haven't been with us, Paul has been uh, talking to us about this incredible gospel that he received from heaven and that he began to operate in that gospel. If you look at Galatians 1.17, actually go back to 16. It was God's desire to reveal his son in me, Galatians 1.16, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem, which was kind of the epicenter of the religious world, to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia. This is uh, not the Arabia we know, but this would be uh, called Nabataean Arabia, would include Paul's hometown and returned once more to Damascus. So Paul didn't go up to Jerusalem, the epicenter of religious life. He went away to Arabia, and he was preaching during this time. Then, chronology we have, three years later I went up, you always go up to Jerusalem, to become acquainted, middle of 18, with Cephas, that's Peter's Aramaic name, and stayed with him 15 days. I did not see any of the other apostles, any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. 
Now, some of you might be asking, what's the point, Paul? Simply this. Paul had conducted his ministry, preached his gospel, independent of interaction or teaching or training from the apostles. And this is important because Paul had said that the origin of his gospel was directly from God. Remember, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus confronted Saul. Saul was going to persecute the Christian church. He felt it was his duty to destroy the church. Jesus confronted him, called him out. There are many scholars that believe that Paul was both converted and called on the road to Damascus. And during that three days, I introduced to you the concept that that's probably when Paul received much of the revelation about the gospel. And then immediately after those three days of fasting and uh, having the Lord reveal truth to him, he went out and he began to preach, independent of the apostles. And this is important because the false teachers in the Galatian churches called the Judaizers were saying, no, Paul was subservient to the apostles. And that he got his gospel from the apostles, but then he distorted it. And Paul says, no, that's not the case. I operated for three years before I ever went up to Jerusalem to meet Peter. And if you think about meeting Peter, talk about a power meeting in the first century, amen? Peter and Paul. By the way, they weren't an early rock and roll band. Peter and Paul were early pillars of the church, but both had experienced the grace of God independent of one another. We don't know if Peter even had met Paul along the way, but surely Peter had heard of what had happened to Paul. But remember, in the ancient world, there's no cell phones, there's no email, there's no texting. So in order to meet somebody, there had to be traveling. There had to be an opportunity for a face-to-face -face meeting. And this meeting happened three years later. We're told from the book of Acts in chapter 9 that there were many of the believers at this time that doubted the sincerity of Saul's conversion. And it was Barnabas who had to assure the apostles, write this down for your notes, Acts 9, 26 through 30, where this takes place. It was Barnabas, Barclay said Barnabas had the biggest heart in the church, who had to assure the apostles that Saul, who would become Paul, was legit that his uh, conversion to Christ was authentic because there were Christians, and talk about persecution, there were Christians that were concerned that Saul was just pretending, that he was alleging that he had become a Christian just to sneak in to early Christian meetings, find out who the leaders were, identify chief uh, locations and people only to destroy. So you can imagine there was some doubt there was some concern, and it was Barnabas, whose name literally means the son of encouragement, who said, no, Saul is truly born again. He has a radical testimony, a radical story. God's using him in amazing ways. And Paul is arguing that his gospel came to him from Jesus directly, not from Peter, not from James, not from John. See the word acquainted in the New American Standard, the word to become acquainted is a single Greek word called historio, H-I-S-T-O-R-E-O, -E historio. Gary Habermas, who is probably one of the chief experts on the resurrection, is, argues that the Greek word for acquainted, historio, is best translated as an investigative reporter. And I'll let you wrestle with this. There are other Greek scholars that say the word simply just means to get to know somebody, get acquainted. But the word has nuances, historio, 
of investigating or gaining information as you get to know somebody, to inquire, examine, or investigate. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Identify chief uh, locations and people only to destroy. So you can imagine there was some doubt. There was some concern. And it was Barnabas, whose name literally means the son of encouragement, who said, no, Saul is truly born again. He has a radical testimony, a radical story. God's using him in amazing ways. And Paul is arguing that his gospel came to him from Jesus directly. Not from Peter, not from James, not from John. See the word acquainted in the New American Standard. The word to become acquainted is a single Greek word called historio. H-I-S-T-O-R-E-O. Historio. Gary Habermas, who is probably one of the chief experts on the resurrection, is, argues that the Greek word for acquainted, historio, is best translated as an investigative reporter. And I'll let you wrestle with this. There are other Greek scholars that say the word simply just means to get to know somebody, get acquainted. But the word has nuances, historio, of investigating or gaining information as you get to know somebody, to inquire, examine, or investigate. Now you might say, well, what's the purpose of defining that word so strictly? Well, Habermas argues that Paul got his early information about the gospel in this meeting three years after the road to Damascus experience. And this is where 1 Corinthians 15 comes in. Let's flip back there, just a few pages to 1 Corinthians 15. Many of you are familiar with this, what's been called by scholars an early creedal statement that goes all the way to the, back to the events of the crucifixion 
and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says, now I make known to you, brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, 1, uh, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, 1 Corinthians 15, 2. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of, in first, of first importance what I also received. Now Habermas would argue that Paul is talking about the meeting with Peter and James. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now look at the names here. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter's Aramaic name, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to who? To James. Now, these are names we saw in Galatians. Then to all the apostles, and then, last of all, eight, to one untimely born, Paul referencing himself, he appeared to me also. So it may well be that Paul, if you turn back to Galatians, as he visits a couple of weeks with Peter, maybe three Sabbath days, back to Galatians chapter 1, got details about Jesus' life. Now, we do know that Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus after the resurrection, right? This is post-resurrection. So imagine how many stories Paul was interested in hearing about from a man named Peter. Because Peter was called at the very beginning of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. I can imagine Paul meeting with Peter in Jerusalem with a notepad. And so, saying, tell me more, tell me more, put another pot of coffee on, tell me more. He walked on the water, and you did too. Peter was like, oh yeah, in the early days, right? And so many things to talk about, about miracles, about blind eyes being opened, deaf ears being unstopped, people with leprosy being healed in a, in a moment before their eyes. Uh, he would speak to demons and they would come out of people. He would hush the sea. Uh, he would feed thousands of people with miraculous provision. Peter could have gone on and on. Can you imagine the stories deep into the night? <laughs> And I'm sure that both of them celebrated grace because both of them met Jesus in different ways, in different settings. And I look out at this group of people right now and you've all, those of you who are believers today, met Jesus. Uh, you know, your year would be different. Your place would be different. The setting would be different. The context would be different. The struggles would be different. But in the end, what, what do we all have in common here? We've all met grace. We've all met Jesus. And I'm sure that Peter and Paul could also talk about their failures. Paul would talk about regret in persecuting the Christian church, giving his approval to people being die, uh, dying, people being put in prison, and things like that. And Peter could talk about that fateful night when he was so confident that he would stand for Jesus. I'll never deny you. Though everybody does, I'll die for you. And then we know what Jesus told him before the rooster crows, right? See, both men knew something about grace in their failures. And both men were used mightily by God. This is, this is an early power meeting in the church, no doubt, right? These are some of the big guns, but some of the big guns in the early church were some of the biggest failures in their own personal lives. 
And this gives me great encouragement. Amen? Because it tells me that God did not choose me because I was the greatest guy walking around the planet. Because I had it all together after I became a Christian. No, 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 no. Far from it. God uses people who are broken, who come from broken backgrounds and struggles to become trophies of grace. And Paul and Peter are certainly two that we can look at and say, indeed, this is the case. It can take a little while to get grace, to grasp it for yourself, for others, to see it, to realize it. Saul was a trophy of grace. Peter was. James was. Do you know that James, the brother of Jesus, and by the way, Jesus did have physical brothers and sisters, James was technically the half-brother of Jesus. And as we read the Gospels, for example, in John chapter 7, that the brothers don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, there's language in the New Testament that indicates that they thought he was a little crazy. They thought maybe he had lost it a little bit, that he had a Messiah complex. Can you imagine? Come on, bro. <laughs> Get over yourself now. And, there, and I think the majority of scholars do not believe that James believed that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. That's why this connection between 1 Corinthians 15 and Galatians 1 is so profound. Because it goes back to the earliest witnesses. You know, there are people who argue, oh, the Bible was put together in the 4th century by people who had an agenda. No, 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 no. These are the early people who were touched by saving grace in Jesus Christ. And they were persecutors and doubters. They, this was the brother of Jesus who doubted his own brother. This was a guy who tried to destroy the Christian church. This was a man who fell on his face the night before Jesus was crucified. This is the foundation of the church. Doesn't it give you hope? It does me. It's like, man, I'm in good company then. God can use a man like me. Okay, here we go. Because there's a lot of people who say to friends, well, maybe I'll go to that church when I clean up my life a little bit. Well, good luck. That's like standing outside of a shower after a mud football game and say, well, maybe I'll clean myself up a little bit before I get into the shower. No, you let the shower do its work. And sometimes what we do is we, we step away from God when we should be ste stepping in to the living waters of saving grace. If you've come here broken this morning, if you've come here with your scars and wounds and dirt, you're in good company. This is a place where people have experienced grace. The church is a trophy of His grace. Grace is hard to get and grace enables us to get up again and again. A Christian is not perfect, but has a deep desire to glorify God with all of their lives, even after falling. You've been listening to Getting Acquainted with Grace, part one on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 1.18 through 2.10. Also, as a reminder, you can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want on podcast. You can listen on our Living Truth app or all your favorite podcast apps. You know them all. Google Music, iPodcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the rest. You can listen to all the previous programs, too. So 
listen to the Walk in Truth podcast when you're walking around the block, when you're making dinner, maybe hanging out by the pool with some headphones on. You can listen to Walk in Truth anytime you'd like. And you can do that by downloading the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Remember, if you can't join us for a church service, you can also catch us on the live stream, which is going out 9 a.m. Pacific time on our YouTube channel. You can connect to the YouTube channel through walkintruth.com. Just click on the church tab. We're excited that you're joining us for worship. We're excited that you're part of our uh, church family that listens on the air. And for those of you who are have been listening for a while and you're not sure you're a Christian, now would be such an awesome time to give your life to Jesus Christ. There's no better decision to make because he's God and he loves you so much. He died in your place. He rose to defeat your mortal enemy death. He lives to intercede for his people. And if he's been knocking on your heart, open the door. Ask Jesus to come in to save you, to be your Lord and Savior, your God and your King. He'll guide you all the days of your life and he'll guide you all the way home into his heavenly kingdom. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll catch you Sunday morning on the broadcast, and we'll see you then. And one more thing before we wrap up today. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation is really appreciated. So please give if you can at walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click donate. And join us next week for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 1, 18 through 210, called Getting Acquainted with Grace. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. We hope you have a great weekend. And don't forget, it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.